It's on. I miss a week, and that was not the sharpest, <laughs> sharpest intro I've ever done. Welcome to the Covert Show, episode 35. I'm JC, back with Nick. And uh, Nick went solo last week, so if you uh, missed last week's episode, be sure to check that out, because he starts with cinema. And I will say, fairly certain, that that's the first time in the 34 prior to you doing 34, the 33 episodes, the first time the show's talked about cinema. So tip of the I cap felt- to you, you made it an hour. You did, if you like add... I, I shit you not. If you add like two or three of my solo shows together, your hour probably is longer than all three of them combined. So well, tip like, of the cap to you for bringing some new content to the to the show. Thank you, sir. And it was like, what? what's the one thing that I know a lot of? And it was like music I'm like okay with, but I don't know as much of like the metal bands. And I was just like, I could talk about some of the new country that I've been listening to, but I was like, I don't want to open up with that. Sports would be pretty organic to open up with, so and I was comfortable with that. But I was like, you know what? I haven't talked to anybody about movies in a while that would appreciate it. So I thought the audience would appreciate it. And, I mean, yeah, you got to go see Nope if you haven't. It's a great freaking movie with Jordan Peele's uh, direction. So, just saying. <laughs> so there you go. That's something that, uh, again, be sure to check out episode 34. Occasionally we go solo on this show and... Last week, I needed some time. I needed some time to step away. So uh, thankful for Nick for taking over. And this week, we got your normal slate of stuff. I'm opening some Pokemon cards later in the show. We'll see if I can match last week. And as I recall, I don't think you got anything even like remotely good last week, did you? Or did no, you pull? Uh-uh. Did you manage to pull something last week? No, I got a. I got another hip out on card, which is that like shiny card that I got uh, like the first time we opened. So you it, got but... like a kind of pull. Yeah, like it wasn't it wasn't bad. Like it was definitely bad, but it wasn't good. Like it's not going to be anything. <laughs> it wasn't bad and it wasn't good. All right, well there you go. Some solid middle ground. We'll talk M- MLB, NFL. We're gonna try to make some week zero. I assume that's what we're calling it. College football yep. picks. Uh, there's only a few games to talk about, but, you know, it's, it's football. Football's it's back, football. baby. So I've got to ask, before we jump right. into any one of these topics, Kay. since it's week zero, does that mean the hex bug, since there's only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, I'm counting games here in week zero, does that mean the hex bugs are going to be broken out this week, or are we, since... In theory, once we get into the season, if we do the hex bugs for college football, it won't be specific games. What's we're, what are we thinking on that here? Uh, just spitballing here on the show. I say we pick. I say we pick three games, like for this week or one. just like weekly. Well, for I would probably say for this week we pick three games. But when it comes down to if we want to do it for college football, I would say probably pick the college game day game of the week. So whoever that game is, because that always gets a lot of hype. Um, and then we pick like maybe one or t- I would say probably try to do three games a week, if not two. I would say the college game day game of the week and then the next closest like matchup that would be ranked. So like I'm taking a look at it here. So like for September 3rd, which is a Saturday, 
I would probably say the game of the week, if it's not a college game day, I would say we definitely have to do Georgia, Oregon to pick for that one. So you and just then pick also, the ranked games, basically. Pretty much. like, Or just we throw it even to like a like a game that might just be a really good game between somebody. Because like, what I'm looking at now for week one, like the actual week one, not week zero, the biggest games on the slate – are Georgia versus Oregon and then throwing it to Ohio State and Notre Dame two versus five, which I talked about last week on the episode for 34. But, I mean, otherwise, yeah, I would probably say maybe just do two games for the Hexbugs for college football. So there you go. We got that going. We got, we're going to pick our games that the Hexbugs are doing live when we get to college uh, football later on in the show because it's – Week zero, so the choices are slim. Interesting. We'll we'll try to be nice about it, but I guess we start with baseball every time. Let's jump to pro football, and uh, we're going to change it up a little bit. So I don't know if you talked about it last week. Deshaun Watson's suspension now is moved from six games to 11 games. Rightfully so. Should be more, but... Okay, I was going to say I think it should be more, but that's not. If you're going to go with... Yeah, if you're going to go with a minimum suspension, halfway through the season seems about right. I even think that he shouldn't... If the Browns somehow make the playoffs, I think he should get suspended through the playoffs. But that's not going to happen. He comes back against the Texans, which we... That's suspicious as hell, but... Oh, I mean... yeah. You you even said it. They The NFL was looking for the easiest buyout possible to possibly boost ratings. Like, come on. Houston's going to be bad. But oh, yeah. It's... The Browns... I, I, I don't hold the optimism, and this spoils a little bit of what we'll talk about next week on the uh, big... NFL podcast that's coming next week, but I just don't hold optimism for the Browns. Granted, I really wouldn't if it has no bearing whether Deshaun Watson's there or not, frankly. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, But everybody's so optimistic for him, and I'm uh, really not. But we're not talking about the uh, season quite yet. We're talking about the regular or pro pro season preseason if i could talk <laughs> while you take a week off and the chops just go out the window the Worked bears hard, man the bears are gonna win everything and let me tell you why two and oh in the old regular or here we go again preseason <laughs> i don't know what season we're in the the bears are winning so i'm clearly confused by that um <laughs> They pick up a couple of preseason games so far, and, uh, well, they're 2-0. and But for those wondering, I 0-16 team was undefeated in their regular season, too. Or, man, third third time's a charm. We got to get a bing-bong counter for you when you're oh, talking about this. Oh, man. Good golly. I think we're at three or four. Yeah, Jesus. no shit. Like... <laughs> All right. Well, we got to get out of preseason talk quick because I clearly can't can't put that sentence together. But the Bears, they're two and zero. That was my point. They're the only team in the North that's two and zero. They're one of three teams in the NFC that's two and zero. It means everything and nothing all at once. Uh, oh yeah. AFC Ravens keep their streak going. They've won a lot. The New York Jets, 
another team, much like Chicago, that'll probably be horrible during the regular season, but in the preseason, got that one right. Um, there they're 2-0. Uh, looking at the games coming up this week, Packers, Chiefs, 49ers, Texans, Bills, Panthers, Seahawks, Cowboys, Patriots, Raiders, Chargers, Saints, Jaguars, Falcons, Rams, Bengals, Eagles, Dolphins, Commanders, and Ravens, Cardinals, Titans, Bears, Browns, but wait, there's more, Buccaneers, Colts, Vikings, Broncos, Lions, Steelers, and Jets, and Giants, all leading up to the Bills and the Rams, September 8th, kickoff, can't get here fast enough. Oh, yeah. And, um... Yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of where that sits. I mean, I haven't watched any preseason football. I normally don't anyway. But uh, it's, if you it's have... almost hard. It's almost hard to watch just because it's like you know that it's all the quarterbacks that are looking to get play time, trying their absolute best, trying to figure it out. I know. Um, I saw something the other night. Trace McSorley with the Cardinals. Him and Kyler Murray were having some fun trying to figure out a game plan because Kyler Murray was on the sidelines and the announcers were like, is he, has he figured out he needs to cover his face with the, the play sheet? And he was doing that and it was just funny to watch. But it's like, like I said, all the quarterbacks in preseason, you've got guys, um, I guess, like McSorley that are trying to fight for a spot. you got guys like Blake Rippin for the Broncos who are just trying to get some play time. Jordan Love for the Packers, and I know everybody says it. I think he's he was definitely a, a high case coming into the draft from Utah State because he was one of the best deep ball guys in the draft because he can just chuck it a mile. His accuracy was off, but, I mean, he could still chuck it down the field and he would actually hit receivers, which was good. But at the same time, it's he just has not been able to find a rhythm in Green Bay. And then you look at a guy who just came out of college for Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett, and he's making his case to honestly potentially pass Trubisky in Pittsburgh. I personally think at least give him a chance in week one because, I mean, what Trubisky is going to be okay, but what else is he going to do? Kenny Pickett's the young guy coming in. You've got – he's been throwing so far decently well in the preseason. I mean, he's not making a ton of mistakes. They've scored decently well as an offense with him. Um, so I think Kenny Pickett's got a chance to make a starting name. I would like to actually see it happen because I'm, I'm kind of high on the kid. He's just He's got a lot of good athletic swagger to him. All right. Well, with that, I like I said, I really don't have much on the uh, <laughs> preseason. I mean, it's uh, you know when you look at the team, Matt, like Cardinals Titans this week. If this is a regular season game, there's a lot of intrigue, a lot of storylines there. It's the preseason, oh, yeah. so uh, not quite. But we're counting her down. We're now two weeks out. We had a discussion during our pre-show talk, if you will, about whether pro football starts next week or the following week. We finally got it settled. Next week is our NFL show and uh, where we go through everything. It might be a four-hour show. It's really hard to tell. Uh, But next uh, following week after that, the 8th is kickoff for the NFL. So we didn't do MLB jump in with something for uh, football there? Oh, I was just going to say, like, I'm taking a look at week one. I know opening matchup is Bills-Rams. That should be a really good one. Just like a a quick glance at the schedule here because I was thinking about it. The Broncos have Seattle, and that's in Seattle, so Russell Wilson goes home for the first time. 
Uh, Bengals-Steelers, that might be a potential game to watch of the week. But otherwise, there's not a whole – there's a battle in the NFC North. Browns-Panthers um, with Mayfield being yeah. named the starter. Yeah. I, okay, so I'm glad we brought that up. There was a TikTok that I saw on the – after Baker got announced the starter for the Panthers. Sam Darnold had to step up and do an interview – and they asked the question, like, how do you feel about Baker being the starter? And he goes, um, he he obviously deserved it. He works really hard. He's a guy that has a lot more experience in the NFL. I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm just making sure that I'm ready, focusing on my reps one one day at a time. The dude looked like he was just destroyed. I felt like, granted, I know it's a job. I know the NFL is so competitive. But, dude, the kid just looked beat to death. Like, he looked like he lost his soul. Because, I mean, he's a guy who started with the Jets. Just not a good team to start with. You can't really get a lot of traction with them. It's kind of like Trevor Lawrence going to the Jags. You don't get a lot of traction when you go to a team that is just so bad. You have no really good weapons to be able to bump up your numbers. You're always constantly under pressure, which you need to feel. But at the same time, it's like somebody needs to get you some help. If you're going to get a quarterback that you think you can build a franchise around or at least build five seasons around to keep keep healthy, possibly get a chance at maybe a playoff or at least boosting up your record, get a line. The Jets did not have a line. Darnold was just getting blasted, gets traded to the Panthers, and then his numbers started going up. He was able to actually hit receivers. He was able to actually get some time in the pocket. And then, But it's the same thing. He went to the Panthers, but it's a step up. I felt so bad for him when Baker just got announced he was going to Carolina. Cleveland fans were probably just absolutely gut-blown just because you lost your quarterback. You potentially lost a chance at a playoff spot once again this year. And granted, the Browns might prove us wrong. But at the same time, Sam Darnold just – he needs to keep fighting because I think he could possibly find his way onto a team and potentially make them better. So that's my last two cents for the NFL. Well, there you go. Sam, uh, Sammy Darnold fan as, uh, well, like I was saying, we didn't do my God, my voice is killing me today. You're just, you're (laughs) on a little bit of a bus today. Are you feeling all right, bud? (laughs) I, I, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> we'll go yeah, we're trying we're trying man we're uh 14 minutes in normally if i've got rust i've been able to shake it off by now but not not today uh mlb action my was trying to crack the joke of we didn't talk about it first so let's talk about it second and that's mostly because my blue jays are back on track they uh took three of four from the yankees in the bronx which by itself is that's a feat a good uh good mojo for him you know yeah. i've talked about it on the show before but we i remember a time where you wouldn't even turn on the tv when they went to the bronx because they were going to get embarrassed they didn't well the blue jays follow this up by winning their first two in boston as well they're in a soft part of the schedule and we'll talk more about playoffs coming up but they've got the bow socks coming up today when this gets released the angels for three the cubs for three and the pirates for three there is not a single contender a a boston maybe but the other three are terrible you get past that you've got baltimore for four texas for three tampa for four or tampa for five actually 
Baltimore for three, Phillies for two, Rays for another four, Yankees, Red Sox, Orioles to wrap up the season. There's a lot of contenders in the back part of this, say, 30 games by the time you get there. You definitely, I think, and this is this is an absolute obvious because I'm I'm gonna say it as it goes, but I'm gonna Joe I'm gonna pull a Joe Buck on this one. It's a must win game for both team or yeah, the must win game for both teams spiel. But looking at the schedule, like you said, Boston for three, and then um, where am I looking? What the hell? Why is I was this? gonna oh, say? I'm the, are I'm you so at the sorry. like end of the year? No, I'm looking at the damn Rays. I clicked, man, we are both struggling now. <laughs> I clicked on the Rays on accident. Okay, so you have... Meg, got- the first 17 minutes of Podcast 35 has been rough. <laughs> We're slow today. But no, so you got Boston for this three-game series. You've taken two from them, need that third win. Then as soon as you get through the, the easy slouch, you have Baltimore, who you at least need to take take three if not you can settle for two that i should think be okay. if you split with baltimore knowing you have the ray or knowing you have the rangers right after that if you go into baltimore and split which is weird to say because i was trashing baltimore bad at the beginning of the year but if you split with them i think you feel yeah. good the biggest series of the year will be tampa 13 or 12th 13th 13th 14th 15th of September where you play Tampa for five games in Toronto. You need to win three of them. You need to win three. If you win four, you're in a good driver's seat. I was going to say, if you can, and it's Tampa. I know all too well about that, how at least it's not in Tropicana. If it's in Tropicana, I'm saying if you win two, you feel pretty decent. But if you're in Toronto, you need to win three. If you can get to four, that would be huge. But then you go three with Baltimore, two with the Phillies, another four with the Rays. So you get the Rays nine times. But that, yeah. that four-game series is in uh, Tropicana. That's one. If you can split there, that's good. Then it's Yankees, Red Sox, Orioles. Well, and so looking at Tampa's schedule actually now, Tampa's because got, I slipped on that. Yeah, I was going to say the Blue Jays' schedule is tougher than yeah, pretty much Tampa- the rest of the – team's role in here because it's a lot of al east yeah tampa literally has so they they're finishing a four-game split with the angels they ended up winning today so wednesday on the 24th they won an extra innings four to three um they got one more on the day that this gets posted on the 25th and then they've got boston for three from the 26th to the 28th two games stretch with the marlins at miami and then they have the yankees for three at Tropicana, Boston comes back to Tropicana then, and then they go on the road to New York just before the Jays. So if Tampa still wants to sit in a driver's seat, or at least hold, you need to at least take two from the Yankees in each series and potentially sweep out Boston and both. Is that going to be doable to sweep out Boston and both? Potentially, yes. Honestly, probably not. If you can take at least two games from Boston – if you maybe lose one of those three-game series, you're still okay. But you need to potentially take two from the Yankees in every series. If not, look for that clean sweep. And that's because... the thing. When you look at the AL East now, the Yankees, like we said when they were hot, hot, you're not going to yeah. hold that hot, hot forever. They're on a three-game no. winning streak, but they've still 
They've, they've shown weakness where before you're like, this team might just run away and win the whole thing. They've only got a seven-and-a-half game lead over Tampa, and Toronto's only a half game back off of Tampa. And they, they've slowed down immensely because if you take a look at it back from the All-Star break, or let's let's just look at the last – let's look at the beginning of August here. So take this into consideration. Starting right before August, they took three out of four against the Royals. Lost the last game, no big deal. They go with Seattle, and this is at home in the Bronx. Lose game one, or they win game one, drop two. They go to St. Louis, and granted, this is not an NL or a AL opponent, but they drop the whole series to St. Louis. Come back against Seattle in Seattle, they win game one like the first time, and then they lost this, lost the next two. Boston, they ended up losing the series to Boston, winning one game. Tampa, they completely lost out the series. They, uh, they won one game out of three there. So, I mean, they have just not been consistent with what the front half of their schedule looks like. And I know that we talked about it. You're going to have teams slow down. But I think the Yankees literally just hit a freaking pole. <laughs> like, seriously, like, it, it's ridiculous. Their run production has not been the same as the beginning of the year. Um, Their runs allowed has been insane because teams are just – scoring on them like crazy i mean you had the blue jays in the last series that they played nine to two four nothing five two then they come against the mets or and then they lose or they won four to two in the last game against the jays they pick up a midweek series against the mets and then they won the battle of new york they won four two four two and now they got the oakland a's coming up for a four game series so they should get back on track there that they got the angels and then they got the braves or the the rays so for the yankees you're sitting on a, you need to start getting more wins and you need to keep pushing through it because you just have not been playing good baseball before this. They were, what was it? I think they were like three of seven in their last 10 games. And now they're four of six in their last 10 games. I mean, they've just, they've been hitting a struggle bus. And so that's, that that's off, being nice. <laughs> yeah. That's being nice. Like that's being generous. They have just not been playing good baseball. The bats have not been there as much. Um, they were able to get, like I said, a couple of runs back against the Mets, but otherwise they're just they're slowly declining, which I don't think they'll decline too terribly far because, I mean, Aaron Judge is still just hitting nukes. He's got 48 home runs on the year. He's hitting 297. And then otherwise the, the offense falls a little bit. So it's just a matter of trying to keep things going and see if you can take the A's and the Angels and take them for a boat race within the next two series. Well... You know, there's a lot of interesting things that have been happening in Oakland. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> social media-wise of uh, some sexual relations happening on the on the very high part of the, of the uh, I think it's in the out, I assume it's in the outfield. Oh, yeah. It's um, it's, that picture it's, is hilarious. <laughs> it's safe to say that the fans' heads are not in the correct game. Oh, going to Oakland just blow- to say the least. Going to Oakland blows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there you go. You, I feel like so that. Gonna, I feel like that redeemed the entire first twenty oh, minutes yeah. of this podcast. So <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't seen it yet, we're not going to post it on any of the social media, but we'll talk about it on the show because we're we're a fun show. Some gr- or some couple. <laughs> Don't know how the relation worked, but some couple was sitting up in the stands at the top of the Coliseum during an Oakland A's game. The The gentleman was leaned back while the uh, 
the lady was performing some <laughs> questionable choices. Um, and when I meant head, I I'm, I, I kind of meant it. She was. I'm just saying, a... it blows to be oh in my... Oakland. Yeah, it it blow <laughs> it probably blew her mind a little bit. But oh I mean, God. dude, I okay, that took a turn for the worse. Oh, that's Basi- great. Basically, beating her out, not beating around the bush. There was a a man getting some getting some good old head action in the top top stands of Oakland. The next game, Oakland fans brought out signs for it. It was <laughs> hilarious. I mean, dude. I understand that there is you're in the nosebleeds and you're far, 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 far off. What the hell are you still thinking trying to do this at a sporting event? You might need something to spice up the love life, like all for it. But dude, it's national television on somebody's station and you got caught like imagine going to work the next day being that guy. He's probably Well the funny like, thing is, I mean Oh my lord. It's far enough up that I mean, I don't know if they've been officially recognized, like, who they were. Yeah. I mean, I guess I assume they probably did by somebody, but you're far enough up that, well, they needed something to spice things up, and they got just that. Yeah. Couldn't tell you anything about the Oakland game, because I don't (laughs) know. I have no idea what happened. I don't really care, because the athletics are horrible, and their attendance is... Um, sad, quite well, frankly, it, but... And it's really sad to say, because I was on the phone with my parents tonight, and my neighbor across the street, we talk sports all the time, and shout out to Brad across the street, because... Shout um, out. Shout out to Brad across the street. He's an Oakland fan. Oh, <laughs> poor Brad, Brad, my boy. Oh, I dude, feel dude. for you, Brad. I mean, as, as a Blue Jays fan, you might not believe me, but... There was a time uh, before 2015 where I wondered if Toronto was ever going to make the playoffs. I've well, been a Blue even, Jays fan for, oh, man, I want to say since probably, oh, man, I was young. Way, way young. Eight, nine, ten, maybe. And, uh, yeah, so I feel your pain, Brad. I do. Well, and he, he even It came gets up better at he, some point, man. At some point. <laughs> He came well. Apparently, to that fan, it got it got better at a lot of points. But <laughs> the best he, the best ten dollars he's ever spent to go to oh a baseball game. <laughs> he go that sounds well, tw- almost worse. Tw- the best twenty <laughs> bucks because he bought two tickets. That's that's on me. <laughs> They're probably not five bucks a ticket. They're like ten bucks a ticket. Ten bucks. It's the best but, twenty bucks he's ever spent to see a baseball game. Because you know yeah. he was still watching the game. Just saying. He was. She was not. <laughs> she had no idea what was going on. Oh boy. But speaking <laughs> of oddities in the game of game of baseball, I've got two for you. But this one's another major league game. There was a man. I don't know what game it was at, but there was a man who literally chose at an MLB game to say, "I'm going to go up. I'm going to buy a brew. And you know what? I'm kind of hungry. I'm going to go buy a dog." So the man goes and he buys a hot dog. He buys a beer. He goes back to his seat. He apparently found a straw somewhere. He probably got it from the (laughs) vendors or whatever. But he comes back. He sits down in his chair and he says to himself, and this is not how it actually happened. It probably was. He decides to say to himself, I wonder if I can make a hot dog a straw 
and drink my beer with my hot dog. So you know what? His curious mind decided, I'm going to punch a straw right through the middle of my hot dog. Goes from top to bottom of the dog, straight through it, comes out, proceeds to put his hot dog in his beer and drink out of it. If I can find the video, I'm going to tag it and post it on the Instagram story. (laughs) Holy shit, dude. What was going through your mind? I've got one word for you, buddy. Sus. Do it. Sus. Oh, so sus. Like, what are you... This How guy's even... sucking on a glizzy to drink his beer. What the hell is going on with the world, man? Bro, like, I'm literally sitting there watching How? this video. Okay, wait, 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 Okay. How can you buy a hot dog without getting a hot dog bun is my question. He probably now, granted, took the bun off and threw it away. Oh, jeez. Like, like, dude, okay. Ex- hot dogs are expensive as hell at a baseball game, though. And you're drinking it with a beer. Like, you're literally drinking the hot dog. Like, I understand that a Bloody Mary comes with a garnish, and you need the cheese. The well, you need, a, you need a hot dog in your beer to be a true oh American, my, my friend. Dude, All right, I, you I want showed... a TikTok trend. There you go, buddy. Cut out the middle of the hot dog and drink your beer <laughs> with a hot dog oh. next time on next week's football podcast. That's what you need to do. We need to talk. We need to talk about TikTok trends at some point in this episode because there's one that's going around and it's running the board. And that's a that's a pun for anybody who knows the Johnny Cash running trend. But we'll talk about it later because it's funny as hell. Um, but dude, I don't know. Like, we tried the Mountain Dew Bush Light. That was a success. I am not trying to drink a beer through a hot dog because one, how does you would probably I I. Dude, you would probably actually have to need, like, and I'm getting way too deep into this, but you would probably need a little bit more, like, force to suck through the hot dog to well, get actual alcohol to come up through. Because, like, you have no, there's not a lot of That's the other flow. problem, though, is, I mean, they're slick enough. You don't really want, you don't really want to be su- sucking that too hard. <laughs> that woman in Oakland probably wanted to. Oh, God. Good lord. Man, get the bing bong counter for how many times we can go back to these two conversations. Holy oh my smokes. Goodness. Uh, seen... Well, I mean, it's too bad they weren't in the uh, same stadium because they were gobbling a glizzy in two different ways. Wow. <laughs> broke that one out of the bottle. All right. <laughs> All right. There but you go. There, there's been a lot of oddities in baseball. Like, fans are fun. Like, College World Series. There's you have been the less balls. fist fighting this year than I remember there being in years past. Oh, dude, the last two years when it comes to fights in the stands have been absolutely brutal. Yankees fans, Boston fans, Oakland fans even got into it. Like, people were throwing beers on dudes. And, like, fans down below, like, everybody was getting just plastered and fighting everybody. And now you got people literally not fighting. They're making love on the top of, <laughs> on the, top <laughs> of the stadium stairs. You got a guy drinking a hot dog, or drinking a beer with a hot dog. You got the Wrigley Field fans that are doing the, the just, cup towers. I the cup towers doesn't bother me. The cup no, snake and all that's cool, but I just I can't wrap my mind around doing this in private. First of all, where you get a fucking hot dog and then you drink your beer with it. Okay, no, but even more so in public because you know. The second, and maybe this is just him fishing for a trend, to be a trend. Maybe this is just him trying to be trending and everybody's talking about it. But in person doing that, uh, I don't know, man. (laughs) 
that's like that's like if you lose a game of truth or dare and some dude just decides to say bro i bet you won't use your hot dog as a straw like i dare you it, well, like, or, may, or maybe we're looking at it wrong, and maybe he was just so drunk at this point that that's I, just dude, you get to the point where you're so drunk that you're like, oh, this seems like a good idea. It's not, it's, but the, no, no, maybe maybe that's where he was at. Oh well, so there there are the two real like odd oddities, and now here's another one. This one gets thrown all the way to the Little League World Series because one. Granted, it's the Little League World Series. You've got 13-year-olds that look like they should be in college or high school. That's beside the point. So this kid today, I think it was today, I saw the post of ESPN was today, I believe. Kid for another team hits a two-RBI triple to either tie the game, take the lead, whatever. But it was a two-RBI triple at Williamsport. He gets to third base, and he's celebrating like he's trying to hype up his dugout. Good for him. Like, honestly, show a little bit of emotion. You're in a cool stage. You're still young. You're like 12 to 13 years old. Have fun with the game. God bless you. The coach, God on the other hand, you. the coach, on the other hand, is literally staring at his player, hyping him up, like getting him so excited. The ball came into the third baseman. The coach had literally been staring at the third baseman for 20 seconds, trying to hype his guy up and trying to get him to stand up. The third baseman never threw the ball back to the pitcher. He still had the ball. And this is funny because I can try to see if I can post this video on TikTok too or on Instagram. He is literally holding the ball and staring at this kid at third base and literally like saying, all right, when are you going to step up? When are you going to step up? Let me see your feet, 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 feet. Finally, the kid stands up, stands off the, like is picking his foot up off the base, gets tagged in the, or like gets tagged literally in the hip. And he gets called out. Dude, you as a coach need to be watching that entire thing. I get you're excited for him. It might be your son. It might be whatever. I understand that you're excited for him. But at this level, too, you should be watching that. Because, I mean, that probably – I don't know if that costs them the game or not. But that's just – that's bad baseball. Like, the hidden ball trick gets – Hold every once in a while on the guys in the MLB, mostly because as a as a coach there, it's like okay, you guys are getting paid to play this game. You played it for how long? You should understand your your knowledge of the game, where everybody's at, and like we'll try to help you when we can. But at the same time, we got so much other shit that we got to look at. As a little league coach, it's like, dude, I got to fundamentally prepare every single one of you for high school and the next level, whatever you want to go off to. And the best part about it was the commentator goes. As soon as he gets tagged out, everybody's like, oh, he's out. It's a hidden ball trick. And the guy goes, well, he was celebrating too much. I blame Steph Curry. Everybody in the comment section was like, dude, what the hell does Steph Curry have to do with a kid celebrating or getting tagged out at third? Like, be a little bit smarter with your decision, one. But, like, two, why would you call out an NBA player for baseball? (laughs) I don't like, have a good shit. answer to that question. <laughs> no, I don't. But at the same time, I just I I wanted to talk about it because kids in little league show so much emotion, which is great. But at the same time, it's like as a coach, you got to remember so, these are twelve oh, and thirteen year olds you're talking about. I mean, I know. the high the baseball IQ is not typically high enough to where you're going to make that play. If you exactly. do, if you do that play. 90 or 100 times, 99 times, they just toss the ball back to the pitcher and that's it. 
Exactly. So it's a high ba- it's a high Q baseball play, and, not, and most of the coaches aren't going to notice that. But at the same time, though, the thing that I'm more concerned about is one. It, we talk about baseball IQ. That third baseman, man, he his IQ soared through the roof today. He was probably everybody was hyping him up because he made that play. But I'm I'm more so looking at the coach on that standpoint, just because it's like kind of like you said, baseball IQ at 12 and 13. You're still learning the game. You're still learning situations, trying to see well, what can I actually yeah. do to play the game. You're not focused on the big end result of how uh, a base hit in the gap. If I can get my hands around on an inside pitch or if I can actually flop an outside pitch on the ground, move a runner from second over to third, all that stuff kind of gets thrown out the window, which respectfully, yes, it should. Because they're still 12 and 13. They're still learning the game. They're learning the faster pace. But as a coach, you've been, I don't even care if you're the dad coach, which honestly, in some cases I do, but you've been staring at the game for long enough. You understand it enough to say that you wanted a coach. That should be more on the fact of you are staring at the kid who has the ball. I'm celebrating with my guy on third base, but I'm also trying to watch the rest of the field and trying to make sure I get him prepared for the next step. And to me, that coach did not decide to do that, and it cost him. And it's not the kid's fault because the kid did everything right. He just accidentally – he didn't even accidentally step up off the bag. He just physically picked his foot up off the bag, thought he was safe, exactly like you said. How many times are people going to pull the hidden ball trick in Little League? So. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, there you go. to wrap up our MLB <laughs> Little League World Series discussion, we'll run through things. Not a lot necessarily has changed. Yankees still lead the East – we talked about it. Tampa, seven and a half back. Blue Jays, eight back. Orioles are hanging around. We'll get to the wild card picture in a second. Cleveland leads the Central. Twins and a White Sox, four back. Houston's rolling everybody in the West. Seattle's 12 and a half back. The Mets have skidded to the point where Atlanta's breathing down their neck. Yeah, about that time of the time. year for the Mets. Uh, one and a half games back is uh, Atlanta. Nine and a half back, the Phillies. They're in that wild card hunt as well. Uh, Cardinals have pulled away from the old Brew crew as uh, Milwaukee's five back. The once good race between everybody, the Cubs of all teams, have pulled out to a six game, uh, five game lead over the Reds, seven game lead over the old. Pirates. And finally, in the NL West, it's not even close. 85 win Dodgers. Yeah. Almost have a 20 game lead first to second. They're going to have this thing clinched in like the next two weeks, possibly. I mean, they're way out in front as that pertains to the wild card. Uh, We'll start on the NL because my AL bias always has me do the AL first. Dodgers are rolling. However, only six games, well, give or take, six games over the Mets. Uh, Cardinals are the third division leader. Atlanta, either Atlanta or the Mets is going to have a gigantic lead in the wild card. Phillies are in second. They have a two-game lead over the Padres, who lead uh, the Brewers by a game. And five and a half back, the Giants, they're hanging around, but did not make up a lot of ground since we last talked about that. So that wild card race may be down to four teams, but 
I don't know, it's well, close enough and to actually, leave the uh, Giants in. And actually taking a look at the wild card, so the Braves are a full 10 games up on the card. They are 78 and 48. And They're if you look up. at it from the Mets, if they pass them, that's going to be that same Oh yeah, it's same be... deficit. So basically you have whoever I mean, in the East wins the division and then whoever doesn't yeah. is going to be a wild card team by a long Phillies shot. The Phillies are the next team in at the moment. They're two games up. The Padres are dead even on the wild card stand. The Brewers are one game back. Giants are five and a half. But if you look at the Braves right now, too, they're eight for their last ten. I mean, they're hot right now. So they had they had the Astros. They took two or three from the Astros. They, uh, they won three out of four against the Mets, which is huge for them. They beat the Pirates, clean sweep, and now they have the – they have a series against the Cardinals, and that's in St. Louis. So the Ra- or the Braves need to hold against St. Louis for that as well. But their their offense is just so dynamic. They've got Austin Riley, they got Matt Olson, they've got Acuna, they got Albies, they got Swanson. I mean, they've got such big bats that are able to come up in good clutch clutch scenarios. So I actually think if you're going to be the Mets, the team that you really need to just gain traction away from, and I know it's an obvious thing, but still. The team you need to really get away from and hope just chokes it down their down their throat is the is the Braves because I mean they're still hot riding riding the wave that they had the last season. Granted, they lost Freeman, but it, it doesn't seem to slow them down, and that's the big thing that I like. The Braves aren't slowing down without Freeman. They're still continuing. They've still got a dynamic offense. Their bullpen is still absolutely or absolutely lights out. Starting rotation is good. They're winning games consistently, and they're winning by good numbers. That's the biggest thing that I wanted to see is how is the hangover from the World Series win going to affect them? And then after Freeman got traded, what is that going to do to their offense? And so far, granted, besides a few numbers here and there, it hasn't done much, and that's huge. So So on the AL side, Houston – Top seed with 80 wins. Yankees, we talked about it, have been scuffling, but they've won three in a row. They're second. Cleveland leads the Central. A wild card race that's kind of been the same three, four teams. Tampa's now the top wild card team, a game and a half up. Blue Jays are a half game behind them. Seattle, a full game back. Those are your three wild card teams. Then two and a half back, Baltimore. Four back, Minnesota, and the White Sox, and further back yet, the uh, Boston Red Sox. Everybody else, frankly, is not relevant. It's going to be interesting to see down the stretch of this easier part of the Blue Jays' schedule if they can, you know, they got to keep pace with Tampa because they, like I said, they have a five-game series uh, later on in the season that is going to be critical. I mean, you can... You can drop all five games and find yourself two spots out of that last wild card spot, as close as everybody is. And it's going to be interesting on that AL side. I know we talk about it nearly weekly about how (laughs) competitive and intriguing it'll be down the stretch, but not a lot's changed there as Baltimore's the first team out. Still weird to say that, but... You never know. I still think there's a chance, a pretty decent chance, that the AL East has four teams in the playoffs. I think Baltimore can pass Seattle. 
there there's a big chance. And I think the one thing that you have to look at, so both teams within the last 10, they're 5-5. Five five. Seattle has slowed down a little bit from the last time that we really took a look at them. They were still hot. They're still playing good ball. But the Orioles are still finding – they're finding ways to actually produce runs. They had the Red Sox in the, like, Williamsport Little League World Series game. Clobbered them, I believe, right? Let me look here. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, they had – yeah, they had a 15-10 to 10 game, 4-3, to three, and then 5-3. to three. So they took that. They are now splitting with the White Sox. They're 1-1 one one with the White Sox. They lost – or they won 5-3, and then they lost 5-3. So they got one more game there. But I think – the biggest thing, like I've talked about with the Orioles, is just keeping that pitching staff consistent, which I think they're they're doing really well. Since the All-Star break, their numbers have been up. Their offense is just absolutely – it's it's coming back. Uh, Cedric Mullins is hitting 267. You got Matt Castle – or Mount Castle who's doing good. Um, Santander is leading the team with 21 home runs and RBIs with 68. So, I mean, you've got a good – you've got a good core lineup there that's able to keep you running. It's just a matter of – at what point do you fall? Because actually looking at the Orioles' schedule here, as it loads up, they've got one more game with the White Sox. They've got Houston for three in Houston. They've got Cleveland for three at Cleveland. And then they've got a three-game stretch with the A's before they go to or before they host Toronto on September 5th. So, I mean, there's potentially a handful of wins that you can get to keep boosting your numbers up, but you got to hope Seattle falls. And I think the biggest thing for them right now is just keep consistent, keep hitting. And it looks like the biggest thing for them that they have in the Seattle or the Houston series is Verlander is not on the mound. So that's big for them. And the series with the White Sox, I mean, both of them are trying to vie for that last uh, wild card mm-hmm. spot is a big one there. Minnesota, give them credit. I know I kind of talked about it a couple episodes back, but I kind of thought they were falling off. They're there, but there's four games back like the White Sox, so that'll be something that's uh, interesting to keep an eye on as we go. And with that, we made it through MLB Talk without doing it for an hour this week. So uh, a little bit of something different there. With that, let's jump into college football. We've got week, well, they say week one on the old uh, ESPN. I'm calling it week zero because there's like 10 games. Um, That's what they called it last year, I think, too, is week zero. Not to take anything away from these fine teams that are playing. We got a lot of, a lot of. I mean, we got one power five matchup. We got one really fine team that's playing in week zero. Uh, you know, Western Kentucky has got Austin P. Never right, quite sure if I say their name right, but uh, there's no line it's, on that game yet. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Nebraska at Nor- or, uh, versus Northwestern at Dublin. Nebraska right now 13-point favorites. We'll circle back to this because we're talking lines okay. and all that, trying to incorporate that more into what we're <laughs> talking about this year. Idaho JC State was prepping before the show. He he was he was ready. He's got he's got all right. Where is my money going this week? <laughs> Idaho State is at UNLV. No line for that. UConn uh, is at Utah State. Over under of fifty nine and a half points. Utah State twenty six point favorites. Uh, Wyoming and Illinois over under of forty four. Illinois eleven point favorites. DeKesney takes on Florida State. No line for that. Charlotte and Florida Atlantic 
kind of noted this one is an intriguing line. Florida Atlantic's only a seven-point favorite over under a 59-and-a-half there. Florida A&M takes on North Carolina. It's an even game between North Texas and UTEP. UTEP's a team last year that uh, kind of had a bit of a surprising run. Uh, the line's even for that as uh, the over-under of 54-and-a-half. Nevada and New Mexico State. Nevada, a road favorite. Their last two games here have road favorites. Uh, Nevada, nine-point road favorite, 50-and-a-half over-under. Vanderbilt and Hawaii. Vanderbilt, and you made the comment that this is an interesting line, is favorited by eight over-under of 54. So first, we got to pick our three Hexbug games. And I already... I don't even need you to tell me one of them. I already know one of them's going to be Nebraska Northwestern because Nebraska did So go ahead and pick one that's not Nebraska Northwestern. I was going to say because it's the only Power 5, you had to throw in the because you're a Nebraska fan. Um. All right, so looking at these, I think just because it might be interesting, just because, and like I said before the show, and like you just mentioned, Vanderbilt is a favorite over Hawaii and Granite. Everybody knows in the SEC that Vanderbilt is not not the team at all. Vanderbilt has been so bad when it comes to college football. Baseball-wise, they're they're usually pretty decent. Hawaii last year ended the season 6-7. and seven. They had a bowl game against Memphis that got canceled due to COVID. I actually think that will be a decent Week 0 game just as an opening. You got an SEC versus, I, uh, versus a Mountain West opponent in Hawaii. So I'll take, I'll take that as my second one. All right, so we've got Vanderbilt versus Hawaii as our second game of the old Hexbug Pick'ems. And I'm going with this one. It's an interesting line game uh, for uh, good old... Are you going Florida, Atlantic, and Charlotte? (laughs) Not exactly. No? No. (laughs) All right. I, I think UTEP North Texas. So I, I got UTEP and that, yeah. UTSA mixed around. UTSA went 12-2, and two, had that great run. They won the CUSA title uh, and then got uh, beat by San Diego State. UTEP, on the other hand, was 7-6, and six, lost their bowl game to Fresno State, being an 11-point dog and losing by 7. So yep. I'm with my non-Power 5 pick here. I'm going with North Texas versus UTEP to be our third Hexbug game of the week, if we want to call it that. We game of week zero because UTEP. The... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I just got lost in there because I was looking at Thursday's schedule. Thursday's schedule is kind of where week one really kicks off, or like the end of week zero is usually, or it was how it was last year. You've got two ranked teams playing in that, or three ranked teams playing in that. You got Wake Forest versus BMI. Uh, you got Pitt versus West Virginia. That actually, I think that will be a really good game. And then you have a rematch of the one-second play once again: Central Michigan versus Oklahoma State. The untimed down due to a penalty flag against Oklahoma State, and Central Michigan won. And Oklahoma State is ranked 12th this year, so I think those will be good games as well. But yeah, not a lot of. The ranked matchups don't start until Saturday. The official Friday, uh, week one. Yeah. Friday you have Michigan State 15 versus Western Michigan. So, I mean, the ranked teams don't come out until 
the official week one standings. Which is so. which is all the way for next week. Interesting look at UTEP. Going back prior to last year. Kind of. So we're talking twenty twenty. We're talking going back to 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, and then last year. So last year we talked about it went seven and six. You think, hey, that's a pretty good mark. But the previous four years, now we're talking 20, 19, 18, and 17, they combined for five wins over those four years, going over in 2017, one win in 2018, one win in 2019, two wins in tw- or three wins in 2020 before capping it off with uh, seven wins. Also, interestingly enough, they got thumped by uh, UTSA last year. Losing by twenty one, but that's beside the point. So that was a that was a special UTSA team right there, though. They I went mean, they, twelve and two, and they were another one yeah. that really before that uh, weren't spectacular by any stretch. But but I mean, they cracked the the biggest thing about them last year was is I always talk about I want teams that are not power five to crack to the top twenty five. And granted, they didn't play the same schedule as Alabama, Ohio State. All your big top ten teams. Ironically, they probably played some of the same teams, though, since that's the only team SEC teams will play for their non-conference games is they go to non-Power 5 teams to play, typically. Yeah. But but more or less, so they beat Illinois, so that's a big ten team. And Illinois last year was decent. They were lower on the pack decent, but it's a big ten team. You had Memphis, who in the last four years has been really, really good. They've been ranked at least three of the last four years in the top 25. You throw it to Western Kentucky, who's always been a crafty team. They've been in and out of the top 25 for the last few years. Uh, Louisiana Tech has also been in the top 25 for the last couple of years. They went, they won that game. So, I mean, they had some notable wins when it actually comes to teams that have been prior to that good. They've had... They ended up going undefeated all the way until November 27th against North Texas, and then they beat Western Kentucky in the conference championship. And then, like you said, once San Diego State came to town, they ended up losing that in the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Good <laughs> Lord, we're running out of bowl names. But I will, I will say this. That San Diego State team last year was also very, very good. Because, I mean, they had a punter by the name, and I talked about him in the last episode. Love the dude to death. He can punt a ball a country mile. San Diego State, who only lost one game coming up to the conference championship, was against Utah State. At Utah State, the biggest thing that you actually had to look at was how are they going to do without Jordan Love and a dynamic quarterback to run the offense. Utah State last year performed decently well, won the conference championship, won their bowl game. Then you get back to San Diego State, who had a game against Utah, who has been consistently good the last few years. Air Force, not they've been okay the last they haven't been really relevant. They've been okay multiple years, but, I mean, that's an okay win. Otherwise, San Diego State really didn't play a ton of great teams. But still, for San Diego State to go as well as they did, and they've been in the top 25 for the last couple of years, I mean, that's a big win for – or that's a okay win for UTSA. So. So with that, we're going to go through and we're going to start our week zero pickems. Not going to make you pick every single game, but I do want you to kind of give some some input here. And Okay. So we're just going to – if the game has a line, how about that? As of this recording, if the game has a okay. line, which 
I'm uh, before anyone says it. I'm sure if I looked hard enough, every single one of these games has a line. But I'm going based but, on what yeah. ESPN has. Okay. So we'll start with Nebraska Northwestern. Talked about the over under of forty nine and a half. The line of Nebraska being thirteen point favorites against Northwestern. What are we thinking here? You know, do you, you, do you like Nebraska? Do you like their chance? I mean, they boat raced Northwestern last year, but if you go the years prior, Northwestern's been that pesky team. Last year was Illinois week one that beat Nebraska. What are you uh, thinking before uh, we uh, make our official picks here? So I'll say this because I talked about this with my parents, but every every single season with Nebraska football, especially since Bo Pelini has been out of office, week one is always the starter. It's how how is that tempo going to play out? And like you said last year, and I watched the game a little bit, Northwestern was not the same team that they have been consistent, like consistently. They were not as scrappy. They did not have Thorson in the backfield under center, which for them was huge within the last four years because they went to two conference championships with the Big Ten, uh, both lost to Ohio State. But looking at Nebraska, you have Case Thompson as your quarterback, the transfer from Texas. You have a good running back core again this year. Uh, Nick Henrik in the backfield. Uh, from Omaha Burke he has been a linebacker that has proven himself worthy he's been consistent for the last two years battling injury no doubt because he's uh he was a redshirt freshman I actually think that Nebraska wins this game the rest of the season is going to be probably a hit or miss depending on performance wise but I think Nebraska comes out and I think they're I think Scott Frost has the boys ready to go so they need to they need to win week one it, it is a must-need to win week one to set the tempo for the year. I don't care if Northwestern is bad. I don't care if they're back to the scrappiness. I don't even care if they go for the national title this year, which hard stretch. But Nebraska needs to win week one, and I actually think they do so. I think they handle Northwestern with a new offense. So I've got two different ways of looking at this game. From a better standpoint, I would take Northwestern to cover this game. Man, Nebraska being 13-point favorites is a little crazy. But it, it, we're, since we go straight up, I'm taking Northwestern. Going to say smash the plus 13 on there as well. Uh, Northwestern being 13-point dogs. Smash it. I like Northwestern. Uh, Nebraska is a hard team to to bet on, if you will. And, you know, you, you've... I don't uh-huh. know how much you're into sports betting, but if you are, Nebraska is pro- it's probably going to be a tough one to um, I, go with. But if, I don't know. I, was, I just don't like Nebraska. Betting, if I was betting last year at all on anything. Oh, you'd have no hair left because you pulled it out because oh all gosh, they do dude. is lose one possession games. And, and and that's the biggest thing <laughs> that I think the offense – or that I think the team will be from this year. So taking – and this is why you should have left it last, because I'm gonna. I was gonna dive into this whether whether or not where you placed it. Looking at last year's games, it was tough because my girlfriend would always say, "Oh, look, you guys scored. You still have two, and there's two minutes left. Like you guys should win this game." I'm like, "No, take a look at the schedule here. All of Nebraska's losses last year, the majority of them were un were seven points or less." The majority of their losses were seven points. Actually, taking a look at this. So you're going to hit on a point that you and I were talking about 
before this podcast of I have a a hot take that'll surprise you. Okay. I think that Nebraska will finally get over the hump and will have a their first winning season in the Frost era for the exact reason you're talking about. Every game last year, every there's so many, and they were against teams that Oklahoma was one last year of and games under- you looked at that, and when I saw the, the Nebraska-Oklahoma game, and we probably have the clip somewhere of me going, this is the easiest slam dunk. Nebraska's going to get rolled. And yeah. they only lost by seven. They were right there at the end. You look at their, so they get beat by Illinois by eight. That's a one-possession game. Oklahoma by seven. That's a one-possession game. Overtime loss to Michigan State. That's a one-possession game. Three-point loss to Michigan. That's a one-possession game. Seven-point loss to Minnesota. That's a one-possession game. Five-point loss to Purdue. That's a one-possession game. Seven-point loss to Wisconsin and Iowa. That's a one-possession game. Ohio State's their only loss last year that's not one possession, and that was nine points. And you look at games, Iowa, Michigan, I assume Michigan State, they were leading in those games in the second half. Michigan, they they pissed away in the final, like, two minutes. Iowa, they let bleed in the fourth. I, I if, if I remember the Iowa game right, they were leading by double digits in the third quarter. No, they were. They were leading by double digits in the half because I left my I left my family at Thanksgiving, got home because I had I had to drive back to Iowa. Me and my girlfriend stopped at a, at a restaurant to eat, and we were watching the game. And as soon as one play happened in the fourth quarter, I said, "Nebraska just lost this game." And she goes, "Are you really going to be that? Are you really going to be like that pissy about it?" And I said, "No. Watch. You'll get another turnover here. I was going to score back to back possessions, and then it's going to go all down the drain because we're not going to be able to stop the we're not going to be able to stop the run, and it's just going to go shitsville from there." Spencer sure Petrus had the game winning oh, yeah. touchdown, nineteen fourth quarter points. It was twenty one to nine going into the fourth quarter. The blocked punt. I believe that's where it was at. A punt got blocked, and I said, Oh, that is the game. So your scoring because, summary. Oh. <clears throat> Nebraska at one point with five fifty four to go in the third quarter led twenty one to six. Iowa gets a field goal late in the third, makes a 21-9. There's a 14-yard punt return. That's the punt punt block I assume you're talking about there. Yeah. That makes it 21-16. Iowa safeties Nebraska gets a field goal with 721 to tie it, and then Spencer Petrus runs it in from two yards with 258 to go to uh, pick up the win. But that's my point. As much as I love to roast you about Nebraska, and believe me, <laughs> I do. Because it it's funny. It's funny. Nebraska, and you're not you're not even the like stereotypical Nebraska fan either. The stereotypical Nebraska fan that lives in nineteen in the nineteen nineties is the one that's hilarious because they smack talk the Everybody. Iowa Hawkeyes specifically. Oh yeah, and Iowa's beating them the last like seven years. And you, how can best. you be so? How can you smack talk a team? That you haven't beaten that long. It just amazes me. But yeah, I, I gotta I think I think so you look at their schedule. They're not gonna beat Iowa. 
Yeah, they're not going to beat Iowa. They're not going to beat Wisconsin. They, Michigan, meh. But they'll probably, they should beat Illinois. The Rutgers, Purdue, Georgia Southern, North Dakota, and then Pickett, Indiana, Northwestern, Minnesota, maybe. And there you go. I'm gonna, that's I'm your that's your six games. That's your six wins. And then you lose gonna, to Oklahoma, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa, and you go six and five or six and six, whatever it ends up being. I'm gonna pull it right here. Not so fast, my friend. I actually think that Nebraska upsets Oklahoma. One, not just because it's in Lincoln, but two, here's my factor on this. If you look at last season, and I'm going to bring it, bring it back to last season before I make this point. Nebraska last year, this was the best thing that I saw about this team. Granted, as soon as a point got scored, it was definitely give it like everybody died. The team, they just couldn't find a way to win. They couldn't find a way to perform on the last possession, whatever. I, I get that. Here's the thing that I want to take away from last season. Besides Ohio State, every single game that we lost was seven or less points. We had Oklahoma in Norman under Lincoln Riley with Spencer Ratliff, 23-16. You had Michigan State, who was ranked last season. Lost it in overtime. You had Michigan, who you played consistently, who made it to a college football playoff. Ohio State, Wisconsin. Granted, Iowa, yes, we should have probably won, but Iowa is, once again, like you said, they've won the majority of the last seven years, if not 99% of the I think the last they've seven won. Uh, it's either six or seven in a row. Yeah. and But here's my thing. You have a team that consistently had just given – Give it away, give it away, give it away, give it away. Last year was the first thing that I saw from Nebraska football since the Bo Pelini era of where we're going to just fight tooth and nail to you. Granted, yes, if you beat us, it's probably because we gave you the game on on a total miscue. And granted, all of those games were total miscues. Michigan played us well in the second half. Everybody played us well in the second half. Coming into the 2022 season, you have a brand-new quarterback. Martinez is out. Granted, he's gone to Kansas State. I want to see how Martinez does with a different line. If he if he performs well at Kansas State, then either one, it's his skill, or two, he had an offensive line that would actually give him time. If he does not do good and it's on his own error on how he made throwing decisions and just true decisions last year and within the last four years of fumbling the football on every drive, then we know that it was not Martinez. And this is not an excuse – it's a slight it's a slight opinion, but it's also everybody in Nebraska is watching that as well. Coming into this season, I think that we take a game from Oklahoma. I think out of the two ranked games that we have against Michigan and Wisconsin, granted, it's at the big house against Michigan, so I think we lose that one, but I think we take Wisconsin. And there's a slight optimism in me this year that we actually do take Iowa at Kinnick. Weirdly so enough, we'll get into more of this next week, but I'm yes. I'm hearing like eight and four, seven they're, and five. They're, so they're you're you're pos- taking my optimistic six and six record and being like, hey, you know, you guys will get to five hundred for the first time in the Scott Frost era, and you're doubling down on it, saying, oh wait, buddy, eight I'm, wins. Oh, I'm, I'm Nebraska saying- fans would be insufferable. Dude, oh, I'd be I actually, so annoying. <laughs> I'm at, I'm and and here's my thing though. For any Nebraska fan that listens to this, 
if there are any. I don't know if there are. I, I don't, don't know. know if there is. But, and for anybody that's going to judge me for being a Nebraska fan saying that you were caught in the 90s, I was born in 98 right after the national championship of 97. You're, you're the most non-stereotypical Nebraska fan I know. <laughs> I was mostly born through the era of Frank Solich, who we never should have let go either. But he went to Ohio, and look what he did at Ohio. He turned that program around, won them three con- or won them multiple conference championships, and got them a name. You take it then to Bo Pelini, or Bill Callahan. I just want to throw out the window because nobody liked the Callahan era. The Bo Pelini era, he got us to two conference championships within the span of three years under his reign, which I think was about five or six. I want to say. It might have been less than that. I can't remember at the time because we've been through so many damn coaches in 10 years. Lincoln Riley comes in. Don't want to talk about that either. Scott Frost comes in. Everybody thinks he's the savior. I said that he was going to either be the guy that starts off slow, finishes finishes very quickly, and just gets back to the hump. He's got a lot of guys that he's got to go through the recruiting class, or he's just going to fail like everybody else. You cannot build a team with coaches within four years and just say, okay, bye. You have not won you need a chance to get your own recruits through the biggest point that I want to make on this. Every Nebraska fan that is stuck in the nineties and the seventies is just from that era. And I guarantee you (laughs) any guy that, or like any Nebraska fan that is my age, if they don't agree with me, I will literally tell them to shut up because they don't (laughs) understand. They were, were boom, dropping bombs over here. Wow. They were raised by their parents to understand that this is Nebraska football. This is how you do it. My parents and I have suffered since I have been born, people. We have suffered the losses of so many seasons. And my parents say the same thing. Yeah, we loved it in the night. Like, we loved it in 97 and 96. 94 was great. We won a championship there. Miami couldn't touch us, except back in 2002. They just absolutely pissed pounded at us. But... I think my family is more or less the the non-typical Nebraska people that just say we're stuck in the 90s. We want to be stuck in the now of where we're kicking the shit out of everybody like the 90s, but we know that we will never, ever, ever, ever have another team like that. Because guys were so much more gruesome back in the 90s on any college football team. But I I agree with you. There you go. I agree with you. The the stereotypical Nebraska fans that are just like, oh, look at us back in like when Scott Frost was actually playing. It's like, dude, he is not playing anymore. He is coaching. Look at the team that we have built around us. The culture is not the same. We are a team that is not even mediocre at best. It, it hurts. It physically hurts. So I will rant more when college football season comes around. Sorry for my little spiel there. It was going to happen. You knew here, it was coming. You it knew was it was coming. coming. I was waiting for this podcast, the next podcast as well. Um, yet to be determined oh. whether we're doing one for pro football and one for college or if we're just going to smash that baby into a four-hour spiel. We'll we might cross as well that do it bridge. all at this point. We cr- we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, so you have Nebraska. I have Northwestern. We're starting the record book this week. Um I uh, lost my train of thought there for a second. Uh, other lined games, I mean, Utah State, UConn, do we even need to really pick who wins this? I mean, Utah State is a 26-point favorite. UConn won one game last year and, like, 
two games in 2019. Man, I'm I taking Utah State. Utah State all day. So okay, we're just not gonna write that one down. Uh, let's skip to the two Hexbug games first. That way we have uh, the record for the Hexbugs and our record as well. Moving to North Texas and UTEP. Circling back, we talked about my confusion of UTSA and UTEP. They've got the same colors. They've got a Pretty U, much, yeah. a T in their name. So I got them confused. It, the line's even over under a 54 and a half, so it's toss game, basically. Uh, however... Looking at, historically, North Texas beat them last year by three. Mm-hmm. Beat them by two in 2020. Whomped them by 26 in 2019. And then, not really a fair comparison before that, but interestingly enough, in 2018, UTSA was 27-point dogs and held North Texas to 27 points. They still lost by three, but anyway... So UTEP trying to turn things around against North Texas in a game that's even. What are we thinking about here in this one uh, for your pick? To go against whatever the Hexbug has to say as well, we, uh, we'll get that fired up later this week as well. So looking at how the schedules went last year, uh, UTEP was definitely more of a second half, second half of the season team. North Texas was definitely a first half. Uh, Hold on, pulling up pulling up the full schedule here of both teams because I know you or North Texas last UTEP season, opened the game. year six and one and would drop five of their final six games. And then UTEP was the exact opposite. They went one and six in their first in their first few games. I think you have they, North Texas and UTEP or, back. Yeah, North Texas. Yep, sorry. North Texas opened up one and six in their first few games and then they came back and they ended up winning, getting to six and six, going off on UTSA, who they beat, who was ranked 22 at the end of the year, lost to Miami, Ohio in the Frisco Bowl. I honestly, I'm kind of, I'm going to go UTEP on this one. I kind of like the Miners. UTEP. I see. It's an even game, and you look at their last few meetings. UTEP uh, yeah. has been favored last year, and that's it because they were uh, rough before that. Yeah, you I t- just I don't know. Seven and six, they were terrible. The last chunk of their season, that's the safe pick. Although it's even, so there's not really such thing. I'm going North Texas. I like the split. You. Uh, <laughs> If we can do this well during uh, pro football, I will be genuinely amazed. Um, you just the, it, the numbers it's, are the, the it's numbers funny are there because this is a week zero game, and we're yeah. and I'm fretting over it like we're down to our final week, and I need like an upset win to get my record back on track. But I'm just gonna go ahead and go North Texas. So our last game that's a hex bug game. We'll circle back to the other ones that are lined, but for these three specifically, Hawaii versus Vanderbilt. Vandy's a favorite, but it's at Hawaii. I'm intrigued to hear what you had to say because before going into this podcast, you seemed uh, not exactly favorable about good old uh, Vanderbilt. Well, because Vandy consistently in the SEC has just been, and I'm going to say it, 
dog shit. Take taking a look at last season. Lost to Georgia, sixty-two to zero. Florida, who was twenty. Okay, but these are nothing. SEC teams, not Hawaii. I, I I know, I understand that, but still, Vandy has just even within. Okay, so last year, within the three not or uh, what was this four non-conference games, they lost to East Tennessee State, twenty-three to three. They were twenty-one point favorites in that game. And I know. got annihilated. Amazing. Bolted off the route. Colorado State, they won by three, 24-21. UConn, who sadly only won one game last year, they ended up beating 30-28. to The point margins in their wins when they have them is not there. They do not blow teams out. Hawaii is just one of those teams that within the last, I want to say decade, has just completely... They they were ranked at one point, I remember, because I remember as a kid that they have been okay at one point. Somebody can fact check me if I'm wrong. But Hawaii last year went six and seven. They had a game against uh Memphis in a bowl game that they would have uh it got canceled. They lost to San Diego State last year, seventeen to ten, who was ranked twenty four at the time. They beat Fresno State, who was eighteen, who has hopped in and out of the top twenty five, so is San Diego State. Utah State they lost by twenty. I'm going to actually slightly go with Hawaii on this one just because I know Vanderbilt just consistently has a team. Their score margins are not there. They can't play close games because they only have a few. And when they do, they seem to end up winning it. But at some case, I think Hawaii's offense is just going to boat race them. Vanderbilt's defense is never good. So I got Hawaii. So apparently the first meeting between these two, which is interesting uh, it's been a long time since Hawaii faced an SEC team. Uh, to go to your point, 2020, 5-4, and four, 2019, 10-5 with a uh, bowl win, 8-6 and 3-9 and and the two previous years. <sighs> I know I made fun of you about it, but I'm also, and this is the betting side of me, I'm also okay. eyeing that line to smash the Hawaii's going to not only cover the line, Hawaii's going to win the game. So I am uh, right there with you as uh, Hawaii, I don't know, something about the matchup that just seems like, all right, you know, it's the first week of the season, or, well, week zero of the season. It's, we talked about it with, Another game we haven't gotten to yet, but a couple of teams to pair with like a Northwestern or Northwestern and Wyoming win or a Northwestern and a Hawaii win because Northwestern's a big dog. Hawaii's a Mm -hmm. big dog. That might be the power move right there, Hawaii and Northwestern. But for this particular game, I'm also going Hawaii. So we actually agree on one game. So somebody's going two and one and somebody's going one and two to start off this Wonderful three game, uh, three game pick 'em we've got going here in week zero. I just, I don't know. I don't buy uh, Vanderbilt quite yet. Uh, taking a look at other games: Nevada, New Mexico State. Nine point favorites is Nevada. Going opposite again. I don't like either team that's a road <laughs> road favorite. Going New Mexico State with this one as well. Uh, I don't know. They're free picks. 
that don't count for anything on our uh, <laughs> on our schedule. On our actual schedule, there we so, go. Uh, oddly enough, New Mexico State ended up losing a lot of games last year. They only went two and ten last year. They lost, especially to Alabama, who we're not even going to talk about because that was wow, a, that what was a, a shit show game. Yeah, I know. Weird. Alabama schedules some stupid team in the middle of the season. I'm I'm probably going to go. I'm going to go in the opposite. I'm going to go Nevada because the last meeting that they had, it was 55-28 Nevada win. So I think the Wolfpack have this one even on the road because the last time, last year, New Mexico State was on the road in Reno. And so I have Nevada winning it all. All right. Well, there you go. You can celebrate that game that even if you're right, it doesn't matter. It don't matter. <laughs> Uh, other games that have wines, Florida Atlantic and Charlotte. Florida Atlantic, a seven-point favorite. It's an interesting game, but I'm going Florida Atlantic on this one. I'm a little surprised the line's as close as it is. Um, what is the line on that one? Charlotte's a seven-point dog. Yeah, considering the last year that they won thirty-nine or 38-9 to nine over Charlotte, I, I've got to agree with you on that one, Florida Atlantic. Owls take it. It's a it's a weird line, uh, but nonetheless, there it is. And then finally, in games that have lines, uh, we're talking about Illinois and Wyoming. Illinois, eleven point favorites over Wyoming. They won their opener last year. Did the Fighting Illini over your Cornhuskers, thirty to twenty-two in an upset special? Can they get it done again? Is the question. Hmm. Taking a look at both schedules here, Wyoming seemed to be decent last year. I know Illinois has somewhat suffered a little bit. Last year they were definitely on a rocky road. They went 5-7. and seven. Cowboys ended up getting a bowl game. I like Wyoming in this one. I think Illinois is still one of those teams that needs to figure out what their identity is. Um, their defense has always struggled in the past, and I think Wyoming's offense, even after the Josh Allen era, I think Wyoming's got it. Interestingly enough, I agree with you on that. I uh, That line of Fair Illinois enough. by 11, I don't know that I necessarily think Wyoming will win, but I think Wyoming covers and gets it within an 11-point loss. There we go. So there you go. We've uh, covered some college football to start things off. And with that, unless you've got anything to add... Nope. College. Gonna... I mean, besides opening up next week on literally the week one opening, just to kind of point out schedules here. So next week is going to be a little bit hectic for college football after this coming Saturday. So Thursday, September 1, I believe, is the official week one. Uh, there's three top 25 teams playing. Wake Forest, who's 22. Pitt, who is 17. And then Oklahoma State, who is 12. It'll be interesting to see how Pittsburgh bounces back without Kenny Pickett in that high-powered quarterback offense that they had last year. Oklahoma State has Central Michigan at week one. Uh, they're always a tough team. They've been in the top 25 year in, year out. Michigan State on Friday, they're a top 25 team. They're 15. They've got Western Michigan. So next week's schedule is literally Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And Saturday just has all slate fulls of games. Nebraska plays once again. They got North Dakota. Arkansas-Cincinnati, 19 versus 23. Cincinnati will be interesting to see how they do without Desmond Ritter and what offense that they actually had last year. I believe defense is still slightly the same for Cincinnati, so that should be good. Um, 
USC opens up their schedule against Rice, who is, and we'll talk about this next week as well. USC under new management with Lincoln Riley, who completely bounced over to the Pac-12, who is now bouncing over to the Big Ten, and then just kind of bouncing it all out. The biggest games on that next week coming, and we'll talk about it once again, like I said, you have Georgia playing Oregon, three versus 11, which should be awesome. And then also you have at the bottom of the schedule to close it out, which should be, and I talked about it last week, Notre Dame needs a win against a big, big power five. They need to actually prove that they can be there. They have number two, Ohio State, as number five, but that's in Columbus at the Horseshoe, but that's also in the official week one. So we'll talk about that later, but just pointing out some big games coming. So with that, JC, what do we got? Some uh, interesting lines for that week. Ohio State's 15.5-point favorites. These will 1,000% change by the time we get to uh, when these games are actually played. Uh, I had another one that was interesting. The Oregon game. Oh, well, Cincinnati-Arkansas. Arkansas, Arkansas, 6.5-point favorites. Georgia, 17.5-point favorites over number 11, Oregon. It's an intriguing one there that... See how well Oregon stacks up in week one. Nice to see some ranked teams actually, you know, tangling with teams they should be tangling with. Michigan, 27.5-point favorites over Colorado State. That is uh, some of the early uh, lines for not this week. College football. Next week and college football again. On the spot, didn't know we were doing this until we started this show, but we got our first round of Hexbug Pick'ems. Run it through our slate one more time. Nebraska, Northwestern, Nick and I are split on. North Texas and UTEP, Nick and I are split on. And Hawaii and Vanderbilt, we are not split on. See how how well the old Hexbugs go, because like I said in a couple podcasts ago, Last year, I think we made it through week six, and then I was just like, that's enough for me, but we're going to do a better job this year. I was going to say it was tough. We definitely – well, and last year, too, with all the NFL especially, you tried to do every single game of the week, and I was like, all right, we need to – Well, the thing about it wasn't only that. I waited till Sunday to do it, and I had no motivation Sunday, and I'm thinking if we sprinkle – because we're going to do every single game of the week because that's – whatever we pick – the Hexbug picks. And that's why I'm starting with three this week instead of doing all 11. <laughs> yeah. Understandably so. Uh, but for but, pro football, spreading them out, say, Wednesday through Sunday instead of the only the Thursday game and then every single game on Sunday because that's stupid. And yeah. I don't know why I thought it was going to work, but I did. But uh, there is that. We'll get that rocking and rolling. You can check it out on the Covert Show TikTok. So and we'll post sure it on the to, Instagram. And Nick's going to post it on the Instagram. And with that, we're talking about an artist that I did not believe I would see. Didn't think he'd come to Iowa, quite frankly. Yeah, of all places. But he did. Mr. Worldwide himself went and, took in, went and took in a Pitbull concert in Des Moines, Iowa. Like I said, didn't think we were going to see it. Might be one of the best concerts I have ever seen. Honest, honestly, that's so funny. Honestly, it's it's top five. I won't say it's number one because I'm not I'm not sure. I I haven't digested 
looked at concerts I've gone to before to say it's number one, but it's easily top five. A hit after hit after hit. He's one that's the he's the fun kind of artist. You go to, you're like, yeah, I know a lot of Pitbull, and then you just soak it in, and you know almost I knew almost every single one of his songs, which actually genuinely surprised me. (laughs) But he had hit after hit on tour with good old Iggy Azalea. <laughs> Who apparently was not the favorite uh, uh, of the show. No, not even a little bit. Because you even said it before the podcast. Apparently you and RC both had feelings about it. And granted... Well, RC doesn't necessarily enjoy listening to pop music. He's he's more... And we talked about this too. He's the metalhead. Metal he, and he's country. Country, country yeah. a little bit less, but if it's metal or rock, he's diehard. So I well, like I, was, like I said, tip of the cap for him for broadening the horizons and actually going to this. But you ruined the horizon. Uh, 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 Iggy Azalea well, did a number it, yeah. on him before he actually got to uh, Pitbull. But whenever he comes oh back gosh. on the show, you can talk to him about it. But they're on the Can't Stop Us Now tour. It was good. Good time was had by all the crowd. After not <clears throat> having gone to a pop concert in, it's been a hot minute. I think Imagine I Dragons say, how long? was probably oh. the last one. And they are really good, too. That's why I can't pit. There's, one day we're going to do a whole show, break down our top five, top ten shows. We're going to have to get RC on for that one. But anyway, so it's been a while. And the difference of the crowd for a Pitbull concert versus, say, a Mudvayne, Rob Zombie concert, they're not even close, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it, because I bet you got a lot of just headbangers, just straight metalheads who are getting really into it. The, and all the demographic pit- of the two concerts is not close either. I, I was going to wonder that. What was the, the age funny, demographic at a Pitbull concert? Well, you're asking a guy who's not very good at telling age. So, okay. I'm going to give you a window. Think about say, your give, give window. stereotypical white girl. <laughs> Pumpkin spice. Just damn. damn. He wow, you threw that wow. <laughs> you I, threw them way under the bus. I'm, I, it's <laughs> it's the best way I can describe it. He so goes, the age graphics about, anywhere on, from on, 15 hold on, hold on. to say 24 maybe? I, I don't know. I I love the fact that you, you go. You, you've been to pop concerts. You, no, I actually have not. You, well, you went to Machine Gun Kelly. That was a shit show. I don't even want to. And honestly, yes, he was pop. But I mean, he's quote unquote okay. classified as whatever. Right? Yeah, he's not. No, he's not. Don't, no, don't he's even not. start. No. Don't even start no. there. But no. Okay. Well, I guess you've never been to a pop concert, so never mind. He, but, I'm still stuck on the fact that you literally went, think of your stereotypical white girl, and you what? had to hit him. You hit him with the pumpkin spice first. You uh, hit it right I would where lo- it I notice. I notice how you're mocking me, but you're not arguing with that. I'm not mocking you at all. I just think that's hilarious that you went for the biggest kill of the well, game. Well, you asked right what the demographic the bat, was. Yeah, I, you did, asked- I did. I just didn't think you were going to go there that fast. I love the... <laughs> 
and I'm not going to lie. I'm sorry. And this might get me or us canceled. But the stereotypical, yes, basic white girl, pumpkin spice. If you, if you haven't seen it, Bo Burnham's inside. He talk, He literally has a comedy song that's like literally the stereotypical white girl. And it's funny as shit. But also, you said 15 to 24. Mm-hmm. Would it, Besides like some of his slightly newer music or even... You were singing now, it before the I show, say, Fire... go ahead. You were singing it before the show, Fireball. Oh yeah, dude. I, I have his. I'm trying. So what? I'm trying to. Gasolina was played. Give me everything oh, was played. Lord. Fireball was played. Uh, Don't stop the parties. What he opened with, and I mean, for an opening song, that's hard to top. Feel this moment. Hotel room service. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I yeah. mean I mean back in looking time. At, looking at some of his songs Back in Time released in twenty twelve. Pretty much uh, like two thousand seven to modern day. Yeah. Fireball was released in twenty fourteen. Fireball International Love, that was played. Oh yeah. Hit uh, after Rain Over Me, that was played. Hit after a hit. After a hit, man. Hey, I tell you. Uh, Get It Started was 2012. Crazy was 2008. International Love was 2011. So, I mean, yeah. Hit. Timber. After Timber. Hit after. That was played. Hit. Oh, man. Without Kesha, though. But After um, hit. So, I mean. After yeah, hit. 15. 15 would be that, yeah, I would say 15, 14 would be that cutoff. It just, and that's the one thing that surprises me too, though. Pitbull was the guy that I grew up with, and back in Nebraska, I had Channel 941, which was the pop radio that I kind of listened to back when I was a kid, before even getting into country, before even getting into the slight hard rock that I do with like Breaking Benjamin, Hollywood Undead, all those guys. Hollywood um, Undead, shout Undead. out. Good um, stuff. But no, I. They're I good in concert that... too. You should see them in concert. Oh, I've been trying to. I want to, but throwing it to Pitbull. I don't know if pop to... is necessarily the right genre for him, but he's one of the more popular, like popular yeah, groups that I've seen. I just think it's funny that, uh, and with me, this is the fact that I still grew up in the fact that parents, like, raised me on '80s music. And like all the classic rock, I still grew up in the age of where my music was. I still find it funny that kids are listening. If kids listen to Pitbull now, and I I don't mean to say Pitbull this as kids because I'm only twenty. I'm about to turn twenty four. Spectacular but, though. I mean, the music demographic has just kind of changed within the last easily twenty years. Well, part of the thing you have to remember too is Iggy Azalea was his opener. Mm-hmm. So she's a newer artist than he is. Well, yeah, well, yeah, but she's been on the street for almost. Uh, <laughs> I want to say maybe eight years. <sighs> I couldn't tell you. When was Fancy released? That's the that's the real question. But I'm gonna say eight years is like the 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 maximum. So, but anyways, I mean. The music demographic has honestly really changed. And I think it's really funny because throwing it back to when I was in 
middle school, high school, the, the, let's see, the less unknown authors, like speaking of authors, American authors with best day of my life and a couple of their songs, you had pop or you had Bastille who is still making music. I still, Bastille, yes. Yeah. With Pompeii that came out when I was in high school. Uh, let's see. Iggy Azalea was starting out when I was in high school. No, she was actually, no. Yeah. She might've been on the scene when I was in high school. That's, I think that's when she started. So at least it's six years is probably the maximum now. Uh, yeah. And then you throw it back to like the early two thousands with like, if you're going to go pop artists, you got like Jesse McCartney, David Archuleta, uh, David Archuleta. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Gosh, dude, I, I will openly admit it. And I don't think I've ever told anybody this except for my girlfriend. Um, the song, if I had you, honestly, I can't remember where I found it. I think it was on a TikTok or something, but I played it one day in my car, like just chilling. Honestly, freaking, I forgot how much fun that song was. Cause back when I was in high school, I blared it just for the hell of it. And honestly, love it. I'll, that, that'll be the only song that anybody knows from him, but there Jordan, you go. do you remember, do you remember Jordan Sparks at all? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good so Lord, okay, he, this oh. this doubles down on my point that Pitbull is not uh, pop. Probably isn't technic. I I don't know what the right genre to put him in would be, but more hip hop, I would say. Yeah, the one that I was that pops into my mind is somebody told me by the Killers. You want to care to guess when that song was released? Somebody told me by the Killers. Yep. I'm not googling. I'm not googling this because I'm I'm staring at my wall for reference. Um, I'm gonna go with 2006. 2004. Oh, I was so close. I can't believe that that song is a banger as well. We're just oh one day God. we should just sit down and do a podcast about what songs are bangers. Dude, we should do bangers of like our generation. Well, that's like, hard to define. Hard to define, well, though, because, I mean, I can pull stuff from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, thousands. Okay, hold on here, because I can do the same thing. But I would so, specifically okay. go, I, I would go from – I would go for the two of us, because you're – are you 20 – you're 24, right? 20, no, 23. 20, 23? Okay, so yeah. we are the same – I, I was going to say, I couldn't remember if you were just a year older than me or we were right at the same. So, for 23 for us, I would say our cutoff would probably be, like, mainstream music, because this wouldn't even be when we would actually remember everything. But I would probably say 2005 would be when we actually would probably have started-ish really listening but still, everything that we've been through that we actually remember from probably 98 on because we had friends that would always play that from, like, their older siblings or... Well, I was going to say, like funny you should say that. The Iris Goo Goo Dolls song, 1998. You know, it's a yeah. good solid tune there as well. Well, I was going to say, like, Blank 182 would be in there with 1985. Um Pocket full of sunshine would be in there. Pocket full of sunshine. <laughs> Genie in a bottle would be in there. Genie in a bottle. Oh my god, Dude. you're taking me back. Okay, That's so here, and, and this is where Genie college kicks in. in. Bottle. 
So in oh, college, boy. I don't know if you ever did it, but me and my roommates would always do a power hour. So how we would do it is we would put we would like YouTube a power hour and we found an all decades power hour. So every time that the song changes, you take a drink and it would be like 30 seconds to a minute of the song. All right. This sounds like a party. <laughs> Dude, it was fun as hell. But the best part of it was as soon as it got because we all all of us were raised by our parents to remember the 80s music, like the hair bands and everything like that, throwing it even back to the 70s. But it would do Queen, Motley Crue, uh, what was another one that they did? ACDC was one on there, and it would go through all of that. And then it would start hitting like the 80s, 90s, and all when pop started to become big. Genie in a Bottle was on there. Pocket Full of Sunshine was Genie on there. I can't bottle. remember what else was on there because I'm going to have to look <laughs> it up at one point. But just all the songs leading up to 2010 when we were kids, and then going into high school in the early like 2000 from 11 on, Oh my goodness! I miss those days. LMFAO now, and Lil John better be in there too. Oh, yeah, bro, it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! I I made it a mission when COVID hit because me and my cousin would always go cruising around when she had she still had a Jeep and it was a 2005 ish or 2005 down I think to night or like 99, but it was still a stick shift. And it was a two-door passenger Wrangler. But I made it a mission because we both love that Usher Little John song, yeah. I made it a mission yeah. to learn every single ad lib. Oh, my God. Oh, dude, I did it at her wedding. It was fun. He's an absolute savage. Somebody come get him. <laughs> um, I'm not dancing like a stripper, though, so don't come get me. Well. <laughs> That's sad to say. Music. All right. Wow, that went uh, <laughs> wow, that solid went rabbit hole. hole. Uh, but yeah, Pitbull was good. Pitbull, like I said, probably top five acts I've seen. I mean, the energy was phenomenal. Man, that was one of those of sometimes you just need a night to step away from what's going on in this wonderful, wonderful world around us. And Mr. World, Mr. Worldwide provided a nice distraction for hour, two hours, whatever it was. Pitbull, Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide. 1,000% recommend if, you know, anybody listening is As in, we into what? that sort of thing. How how far, how deep are we into this episode? What are we about? About an hour 42. <sighs> Getting close to the two-hour mark, as we always do. We love it. <laughs> if you got that long Chances drive are across we pro- the state. <laughs> well, I've got my Pokemon pack in front of me. Well, you might as well. Wait, am I opening one? Because no. I got one. But... You oh, opened yeah, one in you 34. Gotta... You got to yep. get whomped again, buddy. Uh, I got to go back right. and let's see. So we've got a record of uh, two. What do we got going here? Gosh. So I think I'm two and one, and there's been two draws. That doesn't seem right. Gosh, no. I should have wrote this down. Hold on. Don't. You just hang You're on different. there, buddy. I was so, gonna say, okay, you're definitely I've won two and one though. Two and one. Yeah, okay, I'm two and one and there's been two draws. So there we go. Full disclosure, I don't have a camera. So we're we're uh, All right, go for it. Screw it. We'll post a picture on the good old gram. We uh are all about the ASMR on this channel. Oh, 
Do not start with me. I hate ASMR, and I, I say this every time you say that. <laughs> Isn't it so relaxing, though? No, it is not, dude. I find it so creepy. I find it very relaxing. You're ASMRing the shit out of it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> this is out of Sword and Shield Astral Radiance. Let me tell we you go. something. We are, we are all about. We're all we are about pro ASMR on this channel. Don't let Nick's <laughs> negativity distract from that. <laughs> all right, Magneton, spicy seasoned curry, a grass type electrode. That's an odd one. Uh, let's see, Hippopotas, Cyndaquil, ooh, uh, Growlithe. Voltor, reverse hollow, and so we got a big fat nothing. So Damn. looks like a big fat draw yet again. Another draw that's three of the five for those keeping score at home have been uh, draws that no one's really had a had a had a draw out of. So all right, well that was quick and not that, that was quick and easy and not that exciting. Well, there you go. Pokemon card opening for the week. Nothing nothing going once again. So, you're one, two, and three. I'm two, one, and three. The segment was... It, it's cool when you get something, but when you don't, it's about it's 45 so, seconds. It's so anticlimactic, because I, I love the fact that we do it, but at the same time, it's just like, dude, we get so many people's well, hopes up. Lucky for like, you, next, next week... We ain't going to have time for that. And well, probably I'm, the week after if we're doing college football and uh, analyzing college football, I, we're well, not going to have time I've, for that. I've got the last pack out of the three that I bought at Hy-Vee. I'm shaking it, so hopefully there's there's a lucky die in there. That oh, wow. Well, I'm out, I'm out of uh, packs. So, I mean, if you want to open it now, I mean, you can nah, certainly we'll go wait, for we'll it. Wait. Well, nah, we'll you can wait. just we'll compact see. your L's when football season comes around. How's that wow. sound? Taking taking shots. I well, love it. it's taking shots. We <laughs> are already we're already <laughs> we're already picking games. So yes, why, sir. What's we picking games without picking fights in between, right? I love it. <laughs> oh, so yeah. With but, that, I, I don't I don't have anything else unless you have anything else. It's been. Not, uh, <laughs> It's been one of our more interesting shows, and I'm not we, talking about content either. <laughs> we've we've just been off and on on this show. Like this episode has been so off and on because like we started a little slow, oh, picked it yeah. back up, and then we we slowly we kept it we kept the climax on that, and then we slowly digressed after a 45 second just anticlimactic card opening. I mean. I'll go back and say it. Mr. Worldwide was fantastic. That's how we're going to end our show. Mr. Worldwide there was fantastic. Go. Check him out. Hit I it mean, up. it's hit, hit, another hit, or if you prefer banger, after banger, check him out. After banger. And with that, check us out on uh, pretty much any social media site. Uh, we got TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. The Covert Show. You can check out the podcast. I've got to make a link tree for this because we're in so many different places now. <laughs> iHeart, uh, iHeart Radio, uh, Amazon, which is new. Well, there's Both a whole there's a whole bunch of new Amazon Music, 
Um, Samsung Podcasts. Oh man, I'm blanking. I got to pull this, pull it, pull it all up here. We're uh, pretty much everywhere. You can so find when, us everywhere. with my week off, I uh, I was busy trying to do. I not on Google or Apple. I haven't figured those out yet. But uh, so we're on Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes, Podchaser, Samsung Podcasts. You can check us out, The Covert Show, on all of those. Plus, you know, the regular Spotify and Podbean. But that's what I was doing with my week off. I was trying to get the podcast out to more places. So there you go. We love it. We Nick, love it. Nick knew two of those. The other ones were even a surprise to him. So we are all over the place trying to get on good old TuneIn Pandora as well. I didn't Hell know Pandora yeah. was still a thing. But I guess. hey, there it is. So with that, you can email us, thecovertshow at gmail.com. We're always looking for guests uh, as we move forward. But for that, this has been episode number five. I'm JC for Nick. Episode, whoa, 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 whoa. Episode number five? 35. 35. Did I say five? <laughs> yeah, you Wow, did. We, just ended the no- <laughs> we just end this thing on a high note. Well, there we hopefully go. when we come back for episode... 36 it's it's better than the, <laughs> it's better than this one it, we, slow on this we've one. we've had a rough go of it in 35 or five whatever whatever episode we're calling this for uh, nick i'm jc thanks for listening this has been episode number 35 of the covert show